want to introduce you this morning to Pastor Steve Rousseau. He's going to be ministering the word for us this morning. What the Lord has laid upon his heart. And let us feast on what the Lord has for us this morning. Good morning. I greet you in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Can we pray? Would you, can I ask that you stretch your hand out towards me so that you will help me go through this in Jesus' name? Loving Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, I come, we come to you in the stillness and quietness of your presence to begin this worship service with you so that out of this moment we may take with us a quiet serenity which will last us throughout this day's life. We have come to find wisdom so that we may not make any foolish mistakes. We have come to find peace so that nothing may worry or upset us. We have come to find love so that nothing may make us bad-tempered, bitter or unkind. We have come to begin this service with you, continue it with you and end it with you so that it may be a day in which there is nothing to get, to regret. Hear this, our morning prayer, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Perish. I always wondered why they put these funny words in there, perish. That reminds me of a tire or a tube. Remember when we rode the bicycles? There's a couple of us that still rode bicycles in those days. And when you had a puncher, you, you fixed the puncher, you put the tube in, and sometimes the tire and the tube got pinched. And after a while, when it starts to perish, the air runs out. This is what happens to us who do, are not born again. We are perishing. The Oxford Dictionary says it's a terrible, terrible life. A death that we go through until we die. Perish, perish means the life leaking out of us until the day we go. My story is about the death of a king. I was blessed to receive this in a tract from a street preacher in the early 90s. I couldn't believe what I was reading. So I took it and I changed it into a sermon, a teaching, and I pray that it will be blessing to you as it was to me. There were three crosses. Christians only think of one. There were three. And now, the only way that three crosses could be there is because it was God that put them there. If it was all about Jesus only, he would have only put one cross, not two other guys that were, forgive me, but they were not beaten. 
there were three crosses. And I say the, the one cross, Jesus, represented holiness. The other cross represented salvation. And the last cross, the man with the big mouth, represented death. So, this, this whole story is written in the first person. In other words, the person that wrote this actually took what God said and uh, what Jesus said and tried to figure out what it meant. Now, on the cross there were how many sayings? How many? There you go. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. I'm trying to find out. Hang on. <laughs> Seven. That was a shock to me. I couldn't believe that Jesus said seven things on the cross. I could, if I thought of three, I'd be blessed. Hmm? But there were seven. So this is what he says as he starts off. In John 1.11, he says, I came to my own, but my own received me not. Jesus was sent to restore the Jews. Nobody else. He was there. Think of the woman in the well. When she came to talk to him, he said, no, away with you. He came to speak to the Jews, but was ultimately rejected by them, which gave us, the Gentiles, the right to salvation and become the children of God. Isn't that amazing? I love those Jews. I love those Israelites. They're my brothers. And what they did wasn't right, but sure. Hallelujah, look what they gave us. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The first saying, Luke 23, 34. They could take away my clothes and my life, but they could not take away my love. A quenchless, concerned, passionate love for people who were in hurting me were hurting themselves. I prayed for all, all my betrayers, priests, rulers, soldiers, mockers, the high and the humble, and indeed all generations of mankind. I prayed for the lost world, people united in guilt, sin of unbelief, rejection of God, jealousy, hatred, greed, cruelty, and cowardice, sins of thought, word, and deed. For all people born in sin, condemned and cursed by sin, my petition was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was talking to the Jews. Those were the people that were standing there jeering and cursing and carrying on, saying, kill him, kill him, hang him. He actually asked that God forgive his people. And as the pastor talked about a little earlier on, unforgiveness cuts your cord of communication to God. So a lot of people say, I don't I still pray and I still do this. I still no. If you have unforgiveness toward God, don't expect God to forgive you. You go through, you do something, and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and saying, Lord, what's going on here? Why am I doing this over and over? He said, Because you never forgot, you never forgave Joe. Until you forgive Joe, I cannot forgive you and change 
your way. The second saying, Honor thy father and thy mother. The sword of, that pierced the soul of Mary brought great pain to me, for it was hard to look upon a mother filled with grief, agony, and despair. It was there from the cross that I, who commanded men, honor thy father and thy mother, made a provision for a grieving mother and a disciple. In this, I demonstrated my concern for the well-being of family members. Imagine, who are mothers here? Imagine your child, that you have to follow your child from the time he left, had to carry, got lashed, beaten, had to carry the cross, and you had to follow and see this happen to him. How terrible that would be. And that's what Mary went through. My word is full of warning and counsel for those who lightly esteem and break family bonds. If any man does not provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. Amen. That was one. John 19, 25 to 27. Number three. The third thing he said. The king's plea and pleasure. Can it be that he who created the rivers, he who was the rock from which Israel drank, he who said, if any man thirst, let him come to me, unto me and drink, should seek that man should satisfy his thirst? Mine was a physical thirst caused by the beatings. Remember he asked, I thirst. Hmm? That's what he said. I thirst now and I thirst then for your salvation, holiness, praise, worship, prayer, friendship, obedience, and most of all, your love. That's all he wants is for you to love him. All else falls away. I thirst now that you should be with me where I am, and that in that day I may lead you to fountains of living water, are you thirsty? Let him who thirsts come. That's what he said to the woman at the well. He gave her a lot more information than she would have wanted. <laughs> the fourth saying, Luke twenty-three forty-three. Yeah, I'd like you to close your eyes, if you will. Think about the cross. Three crosses. My prophecy said that if I, I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This robber was the first. The words of, and actions of my crucifiers and the sadness of my disciples told me that none in that day believed in my kingship or kingdom but this man. This man was looking upon him, beaten, bleeding. His face must have looked terrible. But yeah, this man looks upon him, 
First of all, the other one gives him, ah, 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 get off the cross and save us. And the other robber says, shut up. You don't know who you're talking to. Look at his face. I ask you to look at his face and think, now, if you saw him like his disciples saw his face, would you believe in him? The biggest problem with the disciples were that they took him as a physical king, like King David. Why do I say this? What was the, the argument at the table? Lord, who's going to sit on your right hand? Who's going to sit on your left hand? And he says, you don't know what you're saying. Hmm? They didn't recognize truly who he was, the Messiah. His word, Lord, told me that his royalty, he saw royalty in me. He had to see it. And he's seeing it through the Holy Spirit. Because at no, me, if I'm hanging, hanging on the cross there and I'm looking at, at Jesus and I'm thinking, he's going to save me? But this man did. He said, Lord, told me that he saw royalty in me. He's cried. Remember me. Told me that while he had no priest or sacrifice, he saw redemption in me. His statement, which is to me the most amazing thing for him to have said, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. Told me he saw resurrection in me. How would he ever say that to a person that's about to die, that looks terrible, looks like death. And he says, hey, when you get to your kingdom, just remember me. Hey, he's, you, he wants Jesus. He knows Jesus can save him. Have you seen these things in me? I have to say, honestly, before I did, saw this and did this and brought it as a teaching and as a sermon, I really didn't see this in me. I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because I stood in a church with my wife and the pastor came along and he said, do you see? I said, yes, I do. That's all I did. I said, yes, I do. And he touched me and I, I hit the the ground like a ton of bricks. I still didn't understand what I said. Yeah, Jesus, the things he, he, was, he said on the, on the cross, with repentance, confession, and faith, he opened the door of his heart to me. In response, I opened the door of heaven to him. That's what Jesus had done for us. He's opened the door of heaven to us. Hallelujah. What more can you ask for? Hmm? This is what Jesus... I love this in that it, 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 it tells me what Jesus was thinking. Maybe this is what he was thinking about when this guy was talking to him. Hmm, look at this guy. He discovered my power to forgive, cleanse, and pardon immediately and completely. You take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's done. Immediately. 
and that for a dying believer, there is no threat of extinction, annihilation, or hell, but an immediate welcome to paradise with me. That kind of pardon awaits all who repent and believe in me. This, this Steve's theology, sometimes people say, where did he get that from? This was the first born again believer. Amen. He was the first born again believer. No mess, no fuss. The king's penalty and pain. For three hours, darkness covered the land, greater darkness upon the soul of the Son of God. Matthew 27, 46. Despised and rejected by men, I now experience the pain of being forsaken by my father. Think of what he said on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did not say, Father, what are you doing? Hmm? Come, the father's here with sons. Imagine what your son would feel like if you went to him and said, get away from me. I don't want to see you again. Don't ever come here again. And he said, but why? Why? I did everything you wanted me to do. Jesus did everything God expected him to do, right? The Garden of Gethsemane, he said, please, if this cup can pass for me, please, take it. But your will be done, Lord. Hmm? And he did it. He had not forsaken Daniel in the den of lions. Then why forsake me, his beloved son, like a scapegoat of Levi? I laid upon me the sins of mankind and was driven into the wilderness alone, forsaken of God. In that hour, darkness made to be sin in man's stead. I tasted the complete rejection of my father. Hence my cry, my God, my God, why? I was forsaken that you, if restored to him, might never be forsaken. Amen. The realization to him was that God had cut the bond because of sin. That was a hard one. I mean, we don't realize. He understood in the Garden of Gethsemane what was coming. But he did not expect this. This was an incredibly terrible pain that he would have to go through. The sixth saying, <clears throat> John 19.30. My sufferings and sacrifice were complete. The cross, my altar, my body and soul, the victim. My blood was shed, man's debt was paid. Gone was the need for bloods, bulls, goats, lambs. Obstacles and obstructions that stood in the way of restoration and fellowship with God were removed. The wrath of God appeased. Ish. Satan vanquished. Sin subdued and the curse of sting of death removed. All this for you. May I say this, if there's anybody here that's not given their life to, to, to Jesus yet, after the service, 
come to the pastor, go and give your life now. Because this is what you will get. The stone of the sepulchre in which the souls of man were entombed was rolled away, and my call to all is come into the light that you too might say, it is finished. I think that, for me, that's, that's the mo most amazing thing out there. To be able to go and somebody say, tut, 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 and say, no, it is finished. What do you mean it's finished? My Jesus said, it is finished. There's no more sacrifices. The fact sacrifice was done by him, and we need to accept it and, and take it for what it is. I thought that was the last that he said, but it wasn't. There was a seventh one. There was surprise. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I'm telling you. Luke 23, 46. As a boy, I had hidden the word in my heart. You remember his parents were looking for him? What's this guy going to check us? Where's he going to pick up? Where is he? He's sitting in the, in the temple, in the synagogue, learning and speaking to the elders, Nochal, hmm? at 12, hey. <laughs> my enemy, I overcame my enemy in the desert. I died with the words of scripture on my lips. My last words from the cross teaches men how to die. For he is giving it away with the hope of finding it again. In the blink of an eye, we're gone. Hey, we're here. In the blink of an eye, there's no such thing as you're going to die, and then your spirit's saying, hey, I'm in this grave now. Sheesh. How long must I wait before you come fetch me? No, no, no. Don't blink. Ask my wife. That's my favorite saying. You know, when you, you my, my, my kids say, I didn't know you did it. I say, well, don't blink. Blink and you'll see the next thing I'm going to do. <laughs> For he is giving it away with the hope of finding it again. That is the art of living and dying. Blessed is the man who can say, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against this day. Into your, what did he say? Into your hand, I commit my spirit. Hmm? And that was the last thing he said. I, I couldn't believe that I'd missed that. I thought, it is finished. And in fact, if you look at Luke 23, 46, then the sun was darkened and the veil, the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus cried out to his father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I think there were a couple of people that were rather got all the shakes and the scares when the earthquake took place, the sky was darkened, the graves were opened. I mean, we stood on... Mount of Olives, 
and you look across to the Golden Gate, and in front of you is just graves. And they pay millions to be buried in this place right there and then. And no, I'm thinking, don't they read the Bible? Do you know what's going to happen? You're, gonna, you're just going to go, all these bodies are going to come straight out again. And Jesus is going to go straight across. There's going to be an earthquake. It's a done deal. Everybody says, how's he going to get across to the Golden Gate? <laughs> yes. I don't understand some, some of the questions people ask. But I pray that this has given you some insight into what Jesus was thinking. You know, Jesus said so many things. And we read it and say, oh, hmm. But there's a lot more meaning to what he said. You know, I'm blessed. I've got this Bible I've had for 40 years. And it's got, where he talks, it's read. <laughs> so it's easy for me to know who's talking. And to read that and to understand, hmm. But there's more to that than, than what he's just saying there. He said so many things that I'm 74, I'm only starting to find out. Here, there, and everywhere. The blessings of God. Pastor knows that there's in my, my house, at the front door, all of a sudden, God said, you know, there's quite a few blessings and you're missing out. I said, serious? He said, yeah, serious. 2 Samuel 7, 28 and 29. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised goodness to your servant. If you're a servant of God, guess what? That's what he's promised you. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with the, your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Your house, my house, contains six children, 11 grandchildren, and all the in-laws. That's my house. And I am the patriarch. I am the person responsible for making sure they know the word of God. And I praise the Lord that all of them know from here to the States. United States, my younger son is there with his wife. She now knows the Lord. That's, that's what it's all about. So I thank you. I'm going to close <coughs> with a song. I'm not a musician. I play upside down, inside out. So, I love the music. I, I did play in, in praise and worship teams, but they were very kind to me. <laughs> they didn't cough and splutter and wattle. So, it was very nice, and in the early 90s, when I was so passionate about praise and worship, the Holy Spirit got me to write a song, and, and I, I thought, 
what? But I said, I wrote this thing, this song, and forgive me, I just got to find it. It's called Our First Love. He gave us freedom in heaven and earth. He gave us healing we did not deserve. He gave us his blood that we be sanctified. He gave us his name that we, we be justified. The chorus, it's very easy. Glory, glory to our King. Glory to the Lord. Glory to our first love. Glory, Jesus Christ. He gave us his spirit, his hope and his faith. He gave us entry to the throne room of grace. He gave us his sight. And his marvelous light. We may grow in his power and might. Hey, glory, glory to our King. Glory to the Lord. Glory to our first love. Glory, Jesus Christ. He gave us peace deep in our heart. He gave us love and joy from the very start. He gave himself as a living sacrifice that we may have eternal life. Glory, glory to our King. Glory to the Lord, glory to our first love, glory Jesus Christ. Thank you. <laughs> and so, I would like to give this to you. And I would like you... I'm not a musician, there's, no, there's only keys. And you heard how it goes. I know that you will be able to bring this to your beautiful graduation. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I see some smiles on the face. So hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Father. So for those who have seen but don't know, this is Pastor Steve Rousseau. <laughs> and his wife is making a great effort of hiding. <laughs> but either don't you just want to stand that everybody can see who you are? I mean, we just got to see who brought him here. Praise <laughs> God. Hallelujah. <laughs> They've joined us a while ago in the congregation. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see what... 
the Lord brings in here and the gifts that He exposes. So, yeah, thank you so much. We were blessed thank today. You, thank you thank so you. much. Bless you so much. Heather, thank you for bringing him. <laughs> Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord have his face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you. May the Lord have his countenance to rise over you and give you peace. You are covered by the precious blood of the Lamb and led by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.